0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Myths and Stories, a Destiny 2 lore podcast. Uh, so, for those that uh, have been listening to our last couple of episodes, we were covering uh, the Drifter, and we have since uh, the last episode was the, the final chapter in that series, at least for the moment. We'll see how things go with him uh, going forward. Um, tonight... We are going to be focusing on the Nine. Um, They haven't had a huge presence in the game recently, so anyone that is perhaps new to the game or came in with Witch Queen or whatnot, uh, you may not really be all that familiar with who the Nine are.
1: Other than just some dude that sells you shit, (laughs) right?
0: Other than sir, (laughs) Um, I'm going to preface this episode a little bit. Uh, The nine are incredibly difficult to talk about in a traditional sense.
1: We 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 can call it as it is. They're confusing AF. Uh,
0: Yes, they are. They are, Uh, and (laughs) there there's very few lore cards that are the 9 as the um the the subject or the narrator of the card i uh, we're we're mostly getting ideas of the 9 through their interactions with other people and they have a very far reaching story a very far reaching existence in the destiny universe i uh, so the things that we talk about in this little series of the nine. i am We're expecting it's probably going to be two, maybe three episodes again. Uh, the, the things we're going to be talking about are going to be very heavily related to, uh, in some cases, the history of the Awoken. In other cases, it's going to talk a lot about um, Orin and uh, the Drifter. Uh, so yeah, I, I, a little bit of a self-plug, but... If you haven't already gone through um, at least the first couple episodes of our history of the Awoken and um, the the series that we just released on the Drifter, if you're not already knowledgeable about those subjects, I would really recommend checking those out because it's going to make a lot more sense uh, as far as some of the events and some of the places that are referenced in the tellings of the Nine.
1: Yeah. Their story, like, I don't want to say their story is very intertwined. Obviously, like, every story in Destiny has a branch somewhere else. Um, but yeah, their story is like super, super entwined with everything, especially with the Drifter because of Oren. Um, uh, obviously with Mara because of her, i we'll call it her godliness. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, well, okay. So, and, and this was something that, that you and I talked about too. How, how do we, let's, let's start with an easy question. How do we define the nine?
0: So normally we would try and save some of these uh, revelations or, or big, um, I'll still call it a theory, but it's mostly confirmed in game uh, about who or what, the this mysterious entity is in this case trying to keep that under wraps while we're telling these lore <laughs> cards is just going to make things that much more confusing for people
1: a little, little rough yeah
0: so uh we're just going to put it out there right at the beginning um a very simplistic explanation of the nine is that the nine represent uh a consciousness that exists within the dark matter surrounding the sun and the eight planets, you know, in a line from the sun.
1: This, this is where, I'm. you know, you know, I'm going to say it. You already know it. What about Pluto?
0: <laughs> so, technically speaking, there's, Fucking, there's nothing that, I mean, you know. If if NASA doesn't care, should we? But, uh. <laughs> That's what
1: I'm getting at. Like, when I was in eighth grade, Pluto was a planet. <laughs> now it's just a thing, it's just an entity. Yeah. It's like Nessus.
0: So, technically, God, dang it. There is nowhere in the game that states these are the specific planets that are, uh, you know, the homes of these nine entities. Uh, a lot of the guesstimation about which planets um or which celestial bodies are related to the nine is mostly based on their iconography uh in some of these symbols for the nine i uh, you get one large entity surrounded by smaller um eight smaller ones which is why a lot of people attribute that to be the sun and then the eight following planets uh so
1: and and that would make sense too, because like, and we see that iconography, um, throughout the game, uh, it, it, mainly in the PvP maps that are the the nine centered PvP maps. There's a few of them that have like a, It looks almost like uh like one of those Zen gardens, uh, with the sand, mm-hmm. and then there's a there's a big ball in the center, and then there's a few smaller orbs rotating it, and that's that's a that's an. A, kind of an obvious um depiction of our solar system one center big ball of something mass uh that being the sun and everything else orbiting around it
0: yeah and there's a lot of areas that are nine related that um aren't in the game anymore unfortunately uh mostly the uh, i forget what it was called maybe it was just called eternity or it's called like unknown space or something um but there was an area for, during Trials of the Nine, before Trials of Osiris returned, uh, that you would go to for your rewards every week. And that area was also where we would get major story beats um, during Season of the Drifter. And that space had a lot of iconography, and um, there's a lot of conversations with the, the emissary of the Nine um, that happened there that we, we will discuss uh, throughout this series but that also had a lot of this symbology there that unfortunately isn't available to visit anymore
1: there's there's definitely got to be old old youtube videos somewhere oh yeah so i mean i i i don't know any of off the top of my head but definitely if if you the listener get a chance to to go check them out go go see if there's if you can find some of those spaces uh that exist now only in an archive formed on youtube um just to just to see him just to check him out and 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 uh a lot of those scenes that played out in uh the season of the Drifter uh we actually talked a, about a few of them during our course of mm-hmm. covering the mm-hmm. Drifter uh and we're going to cover a lot of those uh in these episodes as well
0: yep so there there may be a couple repeats uh, where they're related to the Drif- the Drifter specifically just because it's a very interwoven story with him
1: and you, and you'll understand why it's so interwoven when we get to that point. So that's yeah. that's one thing that I'm that's as much as we're like spoiling everything right now like hey this is the nine this is what they are this is what we understand it to be. There's still a little bit of mystery here. There's still a little bit of like, you know, where what what do they do where they are like type type thing.
0: Oh yeah. No, absolutely. I uh, and there there's another, you know, one of the big mysteries of of the nine other than what and who are they is what is their goal? What do they want that was gonna be
1: the next question i asked like what what we've defined them now what do they want why are they here why do they inter? why do they interact with us the way they do through the emissary and through zur like why are those the only two entities that we ever get to come in contact as guardians
0: so the the nine are still kind of these they're they're not corporeal beings they are still beings that exist Within this, uh, this dark matter weave of energy uh, that is tied to each of the, the major celestial bodies. and they don't, they, they are conscious, and they can communicate with one another. But it, it's one of those instances where they live in a higher plane of existence. They, they live in a, a higher dimension. And they they literally cannot conceive of the the way that we communicate on our dimension. So, an example would be, um, you know, a, a four dimensional being trying to talk to a three dimensional being, and they have a whole aspect of their existence that just doesn't exist to this other life form, and like, how how do you Oh my god, I got the that perfect communication. Example. Yeah, go for it.
1: I've I've got the I don't know why I didn't think of this before. Uh there's a movie called Arrivals. Uh I can't remember the the main actress in it. Uh but the the main actor uh that that plays alongside her is uh, Hawkeye from the from the MCU. Um that's the actor that plays the other guy. And the the whole thing is uh these these ships come from another no they're they're alien ships they 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 come down and the the lady is a linguist and she's trying to communicate with them well they communicate by like spraying these circles that have like these weird like judots and what they do is they start the sentence when they when they start a sentence that they're trying to talk to you they start at both ends of the sentence and form it all at once from the from the outside in so that's like and that that concept of like forming a sentence like that is so foreign to to us as as humans to understand that language that like that was that was just the craziest idea and she she had come up with it with the like the idea of that of like oh hey these circles that they're forming parts of the circles are the same and so that's how we break them down but then she started realizing that that's how they that's how they talk was by forming these circles forming these sentences from both ends of the sentence, from the beginning and the end of the sentence, forming it inward as a single thing. It was, it was super, super, super neat to see. So if, if you want an example of like how a more advanced or higher, um, plane of existence being would try to communicate to us as a three dimensional human humanoid being, check out the movie arrivals. Um, it's It's fantastic movie, in my opinion, but that's that's a, that's that would be my prime example of how how to explain how this communication breakdown is happening between the nine and us the guardians yeah
0: and the the nine uh recognize that they do not have this that there is a barrier to communication um with with us, and they're interested in us or specifically guardians and paracausality um because the the nine are a, a causal uh creation I guess for lack of a better word um they their existence was brought about naturally through the interaction between dark matter and organic life forming on the celestial bodies and that's why the nine uh only exist or why these consciousnesses only exist in uh celestial bodies that can support life. Uh now some of that may have been after they were terraformed that they were able to support life. Oh sure. But uh that that was the requirement was this mixture of dark matter and the energy that comes off of living organisms and that that mixture over time allowed essentially allowed the dark matter to gain sentience around that particular planet.
2: Okay.
1: So, so final question before we go into like the actual readings and everything tonight. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, this is more of a theoretical question. If, if the nine exist in, in the soul system because of sun, eight planets, fuck you, Pluto, uh, (laughs) <laughs> if another system, <laughs> I could, I couldn't help myself. If another system were to exist, let's say it had twelve planets, would there be, would there theoretically be a of the twelve, or does it specifically have to be dark matter and the ability to either create or sustain life uh, around that celestial body?
0: So I, I think th- based on what we know and what we'll read as we as we continue. It seems to be that it needs uh, it needs life, and it needs it needs to be a life supporting planet, and it needs to have a certain amount of dark matter. Um, okay. And it, it requires time of those two things, kind of the the energies of one affecting the other, um, for a sentient being to come into existence uh but okay. if those two things existed in a different system i don't see any reason why that couldn't happen
1: so that's 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 the the piggyback to that is the paracausality of the light and dark that's happening in the soul system part of what what made them conscious or is, or is that just a the paracausality is there and now these things are curious as to what the hell is that
0: Based on the information that um, we've got about them, it seems like they have been here since before paracausality, or since before the the light was known in the soul system. Now, you could argue though that due to the the way the Destiny universe was created, with you know the Gardener and the Winnower inserting themselves into it and by that, you know, by the same token, light and dark being forces in the destiny universe at the beginning of it, like at its creation, maybe because those extra forces are, are there that just that latent, you know, energy is what, uh, is what created these beings, even if it isn't a direct, um, kind of intervention from, from anything.
1: This this is starting to turn into a chicken and the egg thing. A little bit, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's exactly what's happening here. Okay, well, uh, let's get into uh, let's get into some readings. Then. Uh where do you want, where where are we starting to sucker off?
0: Yeah. So we're we're gonna we're gonna keep all of that that we just talked about in mind. The nine are you can think of them as the nine are the minds of the sun and the first eight planets of our solar system. Uh, they can't talk to us. They're beings kind of outside of our scope of reality. And uh, so they need liaisons to speak for them and try and interpret. Um, and Zer is one such liaison. So, with all of that in mind, we're going to start some actual lore readings now and try and. We're going we're gonna to discover the nine by following the stories of two characters that also were seeking answers about the nine for their own reasons. Um, but before we get into the story of the very first character, we're actually gonna talk a little bit, uh, mostly because I don't know where this fits. Um, I want to, to bring up a lore card, uh, which is part of the Dreaming City lore book called Re-Extinction. And this one is fascinating. And if and when we do a series about the Ahamkara, we will probably talk about this again. But um,
1: yeah, I love Ahamkara. Yeah.
0: Chronologically speaking, this is the first thing that takes place uh, as far as the stuff we're going to cover. And this is the Nine's reaction to the Taken War, specifically to the. A uh, awoken fleet attacking Oryx and being decimated. Uh, and Mara, you know, enact, putting her plan into action at the, the cost of a good portion of her people. Um, the other thing I want to preface actually, as the name suggests, anytime the nine are speaking to one another, it is nine different voices and nine different personalities um, I am not skilled enough for that. I'm just going to be very honest. Oh, uh-huh. I was about to say, are we going to see your,
1: your voice acting levels escalate this time? Is that what's happening?
0: Probably not. <laughs> um, oh, bummer. So this, bummer. yeah, I, I'm not sure what the best way to delineate some of these lines is going to be. So we're going to try our best. Um, we'll just,
1: we'll just say like entity one. Entity one, entity two, I, I feel like that's the, that's, since since we can't really decide, like, there's, I don't think that there's any place in any of the lore readings where it, like, it says, hey, if this, ent- if you see this writing, that's Earth. If you see this writing, no. that's Jupiter. So, because there's no way uh, to differentiate that, like, we can kind of make some deductions on like the way it's like if it's in all caps or something like that maybe that's the sun or jupiter because that's a big entity and he only knows how to speak in all caps or something but i think the easiest way to break these readings down when it is the the nine of them is to just say entity 1 says da 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 entity 2 says da 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 da
0: yeah it's just going to get very wordy doing that that's Um, fine
1: that's fine so we're here we're here for the people miss yeah yeah
0: yeah. anytime that it makes sense i guess and that that is another thing a lot of the conversations the nine have amongst themselves kind of like it could be one person um yeah in, in some cases like they finish each other's sentences a little bit uh so We'll 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 try it's it's not going to be that common that this comes up because like I said a lot of times it's someone else uh, we're viewing the nine through the eyes of somebody else but uh, but for the few times it does come up we'll try our best <laughs> yeah um, so we're going to start tonight with the re-extinction card as the dreaming city lore book uh, again and this is their immediate reaction to Mara starting her plan
2: she has ruined everything. Such blind arrogance. We are lost? Hurry.
0: He will recruit them all if we do not act now. But what can we do? Done cannot be undone. Everything is lost. Kill them where they creep and crawl and let their bones whisper not. The children They're not our children, though. We have no time for sentiment. It is this or we lay ourselves bare before the veil. No. No. We must, before he takes them all, imagine his power. Reach together now. No,
2: no, no. Our touch be lethal.
0: Riven, we will it so. The dreamer is lost, but cull the rest. That our judgment be true. We
2: will it so. And that's the end of that card. Well, that makes a lot of questions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, this, this particular lore card is a little more Ahamkara-focused, but I I think it shows the nine know what's going on in our universe. They have their own plans. They have their own reactions to what is going on in our universe. And they have a significant amount of power over it when they really want to, or at least portions of it. So what it, what it appears to be happening here is, um, you know, Mara has died quote unquote at the hands of Oryx to start her plan, um, which we talk about in our Awoken series, um, and in doing so, she has inadvertently left the Dreaming City open for Oryx to go invade. And right. the Nine see this immediately.
1: I was going to say they—they they talk about like at the very beginning, like he—he he will take it all. He will take everything. That's they, that's them talking directly about Oryx, like yes, being the Taken King
0: now. The Nine are not concerned with the Dreaming City. The Nine are concerned with what's in the Dreaming City. Uh, yep. And they're referring to the children, but they are not our children. We have no time for sentiment. Uh, kill them where they creep and crawl. Let their bones whisper not.
2: They're, talk- the they're talking
0: about Ahamkara. And uh, remember, that this is the point, the Taken War. This was D1. Riven was supposed to be the only Ahamkara alive, but they're saying we, uh, ah. that they have to reach out and make their touch lethal. And they say the Dreamer is lost. Riven has already been taken. Cull the rest. Kill all the other Ahamkara before Oryx can get to them. Because if, if he had taken... However many wish dragons were still alive at this point, then the nine themselves would be at risk because Oryx could end all life in the universe.'
1: That's, that's a mind-blowing thought, and that, that, also, that also makes me curious uh, so again, kind of kind of doing a, an overlay, we knew that they had the the, the great hunts where, they, where the guardians went through and killed supposedly all the ahamkara except for one riven Mm -hmm. uh now in d2 when we're going through the dreaming city we're we're killing even more riven like we're we're killing unborn uh, ahamkara with the wish ender because we're going through and shooting all the corrupted eggs yeah so are are the are are the, the 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 nine talking here in this passage about let's let's send our lethal touch those were living ahamkara those had to have been living right like already born already alive ahamkara, and then Riven lays even more eggs and the, and then we come along and kill a bunch more
0: <laughs> i'm like I'm assuming how many so.
1: eggs can ahamkara lay
0: well we don't know that the other ahamkara were offspring of Riven that the ones the ones the okay, nine are referring sure. to they could just be ones that weren't you know, weren't caught during the great hunt. Maybe they were elsewhere sure. in the solar system. I, maybe they hid who could have knows? been refugees
1: or something. Yeah. But
0: somehow, some way, they survived the great hunt, but they didn't survive the nine, uh, who decided that they needed to be sacrificed so that the solar system, and because the nine are the minds of the planets, if the solar system is to be wiped clean of life, that means they also disappear.
1: Big old Thanos snap.
0: Mm-hmm. So they removed uh, Oryx's ability to to take more wish dragons, other than, than Riven.
1: So this kind of this kind of this kind of gives us a a two part thing here. One, the extent of their their power, their abilities, yes. like the fact that they could just essentially, and they say it, we will it so. They could just will something into or out of existence. Uh, and two that they have plans.
0: Mm-hmm. They have they have their own ideas of what they want to to happen and not happen.
1: So they they really truly are like beings. They're they're to to have your own desires and wants and plans. Like that's a that's a conscious thing. That's a I mean, obviously a higher level of intelligence there.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, the, these are 100% sentient beings that, that are, you know, making choices to try to preserve their own existence. Like, they, they have a fear of, of death, essentially. They want to continue living. They want to, to you know, continue on. Um, and they're doing what they have to to, to ensure that that happens.
1: All right. Well, where does this lead us to?
0: So uh we're gonna we're gonna step away from the nine and the ahamkara directly. That was again just to kind of A, I didn't know where to put it, and B to showcase their power and uh their the fact that these are beings that have fears and, and thoughts and and you know hopes for the future. Um and now we're gonna step into the shoes of uh nasia Sarwar. Uh and we're say that 5 times fast. <laughs> yeah. We're going to follow nasia along her journey in trying to understand uh the the soul system and i uh, eventually come face to face with with the nine and learn a few things about them. So we're going to start with uh, the chapter Seeds and Cuttings from the book uh, Ectasis. I think that's how it's said. Um, but you're just making all these <laughs> words up anyway. <laughs> so we're going to start with that one. Uh, and we're going, to, we're going to follow along this journey with, with Nasya. And it goes like this On the day she boards the Yang Li Wei. They call her Nassia Sarwar. She carries in her knapsack an unopened letter from her brother, her mother's ashes, a selection of seeds and cuttings from her favorite neighborhood trees and plants, and some 30,000 songs and short videos on a hand-me-down, Mio-Electric augment. On the ship's manifest, Nassia Sarwar is one of two dozen classless scopers, trash collectors and composters and caretakers, devoted to endlessly tidying the many surfaces and people within the Yang Li Wei that cannot or do not clean themselves. She hopes through hard work and perseverance she will prove herself worthy of one of the ship's remaining civilian cryopods, or, even better, a promotion to an autosur position where she believes she'll find the freedom to devote her waking hours entirely to the loving care of the ship's hydroponics facilities. Nasia is quadri- quadrilingual. Quadra- quadrilingual. Several of her fellow Scopares are not, born monolinguals who, lu- who got lucky in international exodus lotteries, just like she did. When they realize that she can speak to some of them, they do their best to befriend her. They share meals. They show her photos of the loved ones they left behind. They explain the function of the ship's many impossible machines. In turn, she does her best to teach them how to speak to the others. In this way, they are all a little less alone. She is 27 years old. On the day she awakens in the distributary, she names herself Nassan r She carries in her hands a small silver jar. A dent has crushed its lid. It is impossible to open. She does not know its providence, but she feels an inexplicable tugging of grief in her chest when she thinks about walking on without it. She makes herself a home under the largest tree she can find. In the early days, it is little more than a lean-to and a campfire, but she shares it willingly with whoever passes by. Her guests help her transform the lean-to into a proper cottage with several guest beds. One cottage becomes two, and then two is three, until three becomes a village. Nisan loves her guests and friends. She loves her little ramshackle community. But she never wished to become mother or mayor. Whenever they gather in the evening for dinner she feels claustrophobic, anxiety pressing tight around her. She is shackled to the earth by all of these people that she loves, and she has no words to explain her own restlessness. She feels monstrous. Why doesn't she love this? Why doesn't she want to stay? One clear night, amid the honey heavy smell of spring flowers and recent rain, She takes her silver jar and goes out into the dripping dark. She wanders. She tries on lives like she's trying on city-tailored fashion. For a few weeks, she is a corsair. Then, for a whole summer, she is a field hand. When she tires of that, she balances books for an atom merchant who trades in radioactive materials. Nothing holds her. Seeing her silver jar, one man suggests she may be a treasure hunter. The idea sends her deep into a subterranean cavern where she finds no treasure, but instead, bioluminescent worms and a paladin who calls herself "Sheer Ido." "If you're looking for a job," Shear says, "I should introduce you to my boss."
2: On the day Nissan finds
0: her calling. The Diaserum styles her a translator. It confuses her because the speech is the speech. Variations have developed over time, but none are so distant from one another that two awoken from around the world cannot speak to each other. What do you mean? Nassan asks. Well, the Diaserum says, I've been watching since you arrived. People look to you when they're fighting and you try to understand each side before you try to help. When you speak, you do it deftly, without condescension. She considers Nisan. It seems to me that you lend people grace when you help them explain themselves. And a little candle of pride flickers in Nassan's throat. That's just mediation, she says, glancing away. Don't sell yourself short. Anyone can break up a fight. Few people can so clearly grasp the spirit of a thought and then rephrase it so that the deaf ears hear. Gifts like that can end wars.
2: Thinking on that, the Diocerum sobers. We'll have to keep your talent to ourselves for now. The Sanguine would just as soon cut out your tongue.
0: The Theodicy War is a fact of life, until it isn't. The killing stops, but the wounds remain. Nisan helps the Awoken mend. Her friends urge her to speak publicly, to help people on a grander scale, but Nisan believes the most effective change happens in groups of fewer than ten. That is the end of that, Laura Cardin.
2: That... That was a
1: shitload of time to cover, <laughs> <laughs> So uh, uh, <laughs> uh, for those of you that weren't following along, go check out our Awoken series, because that was like six episodes.
0: <laughs> yeah, so to very briefly cover over here. Um,
1: well, she's on the Yangli Way. She's on the Yangli Way,
0: the... The, the Exodus Green.
1: That's the Exodus Green, um, yep.
0: As Nasya Sarwar, and uh, she it, multilingual. Yeah, multilingual, and it's showing that she has this even even in these early days. She has this ability to communicate with people in a way that others can't, and that she enjoys sure. trying to connect people. Um, you know.
1: And it was interesting too the way that they talk. Like, she's just a trash. Clean, she's she's literally a cleaning person on this ship. Yeah, but her ability to communicate is one of her value, valuable things to trade, like, you know, rather than trading in services or goods, like she trades in teaching people how to communicate.
0: Yeah, and uh, being on the Yangli way, she eventually gets pulled into the Singularity, enters the Distributary, and is reborn as an Awoken. Uh, and she takes the name Nasan R as her Awoken name. And, uh, again, we see this, this readiness to help people and this want to, to be of assistance, but she doesn't want to be tied down either. She doesn't, she doesn't want these people to become anchors to keep her in one spot. Uh, and she also doesn't know what she wants to do in the long run. Um, it's a lot of hopping between like, Oh, I'll try this for a little bit. and I'll try this for a little bit. Uh, and she's she's very just kind of wanton traveling to to f- try yeah. and figure out what fits.
1: Well, and and she's got this jar with her the whole time too. Like yeah, that she she can't open, but she doesn't. It it, it tugs at her. Like to me that that to me seems something like that's like, and, and this is weird to think of, especially in the in terms of the distributary and where they're at. Like I I think of this jar as being like like an urn or something carrying the 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 ashes of a of a loved one that has that's been cremated or something like that. Yeah, it's her mother's ashes. Of it... Oh, okay. So, but to me that's that's weird to think of there that she was able to have that in the distributary because the distributary like everything about it was created by Mara and all that stuff. But I guess each individual person that was created there could have brought could have realized something. You know, like in 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 NASA's way, she realized a a silver jar with with ties to herself that 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 had a very strong pull emotionally um, to her to have it you know materialize in this distributary, or it could have just been on the ship. But I mean, most of the ship, and again, we talked about this in the Woken was was off limits to the rest of the. Awoken people, but then for her to chance upon Shireido of all people, yeah. while Shireido's a member of the of the uh, of the the Eccles, I think it was, yeah, with the Diaserum, like, wow, like, and 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 then for the Diaserum to be like, okay, well, I'm going to make you a a translator, and and again thinking back to the idea of the distributary, like all the Awoken speak the same language they're they're like it, there's no there's no there's dialects they talk about that like but it'd be like it'd be like the united states where like you go to you go to maine and and they say soda or something and you go to texas and they say coke and they're all speaking about the same thing but you still don't know what they're talking about so for somebody who for for nasa in NASA situation where she is multilingual and they they say well i'm going to make you a translator she's like i don't i don't get that like what's the point of that but then it ties back to like what you were saying earlier of her ability to communicate in a way that is very down to earth very very straightforward very understandable so yeah that was very very fortuitous of her to be there (laughs) Where, where 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 i where she bumped into idaho
0: yeah, and it, it almost seems like they're explaining her, her communication, her her mediation um, as kind of a, a I don't want to say a special ability, but it, it's like she can make both sides understand what the other side is actually meaning, whether or not that's how they they uh, thought originally. Like she she's able to Boy, communicate. Mara, Mara would
1: have had some. Some,
0: <laughs> right, some to do with that ability. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so she earns herself this spot in the the diaserum's group, um, and and seems to kind of like she has that that flicker of pride of like you know that this is this maybe this is something I can do that I'm meant to do, um, and unfortunately the Theodicy war happens, I, uh, and uh, a lot of the uh the eccles group uh either disperse or uh, are killed um the diocerum themselves is you know never seen from again uh so now she's again just kind of adrift and even though people are, are telling her like oh use use your communication abilities like be a be a beacon be on a, a bigger you know, a bigger stage, uh, she is very set that like, no, I, I don't want to be in the spotlight. I, I, I think I can only really help when it's small groups of people.
1: I I like that thinking too, because like, it's, it's hard to change the mind of a, of a mass of people, but to, or not necessarily change mind, but to, to kind of get a message through to a very large group of people it's easier for a smaller group to swallow it. And for those smaller groups to kind of come to their own conclusions of what does this idea mean? What is this, what is this person trying to tell me? And then to form that into a bigger group to go, okay, this is where we're trying to understand this and so on and so forth. Yeah. Very, very political thinking in my opinion.
0: Oh yes, absolutely. Um, But we've seen that she, you know, she doesn't want to be around large groups. As, as we saw with her, like, leaving the village that she essentially founded. Uh, yep. But so that leads us into where does she go from there? And we're going to go to the next chapter of this lore book, which is uh, Chords of Meaning. And it goes like this. She's standing in a crowd of thousands when Mara Sov tells the Awoken about the dying world they abandoned. The idea sucker-punches her, one crippling jab to every tender part of her. For four sleepless nights, she can scarcely draw a breath without gulping. She holds her silver jar to her forehead, focusing on its cool, constant weight, and knows she must leave. She finds her old friend Sheer. Amid the feverish departure preparations, there is somehow time for an introduction to Mara. Nisan makes a pledge of herself and her skills. She will do what she can to convince those who might stay behind. No, Mara interrupts with a bite of unsweetened tea. I would not ask that of you or anyone else. Nisan hesitates. Help those who have already made their choice, whatever it is. Help them with the grief. She clasps Nissan's hands, the stress around her eyes eases. That is the more important role. The exodus is absolute in its terror. Nissan has never felt such a profound sense of schism. Not when leaving lovers nor communities nor cherished hiding places. As the distributary shrinks behind their hulls. She looks down at the little silver jar in her hands and wonders who she left behind in the world they're returning to protect she wonders if they might still be alive
2: sure is as plain
0: and ready a companion as she ever was in the diocerum's camp but mara is an enigma nisan feels drawn to her not by her porcelain beauty but by her onion skin layers of defense there are so many different truths that ring through mara's carefully chosen words chords of nuanced meaning that she feels she might be able to separate out into clearer notes for frightened minds craving simplicity so she does what she can In quiet hours and fragmented conversations, she becomes an unconventional counselor to the would-be queen. When the first fragile attempts at rebuilding society run afoul of the long, unquiet night, then the discovery of the traveler and the fallen, and then inevitably turn to riot and desertion, Nisan goes to Mara again to pledge her services. Let me go after them, she begs, not a day after the proclamation that they all hear in their skulls instead of their ears. I don't mean to change their minds or convince them to come back, I just… Then what do you mean to do? Shir asks curiously. Mara watches her with ageless patience, waiting for her to find the words. Nisan purses her lips. I want them to understand that you are that that you that you are good that you aren't what they think Seeing sheer bristle, she holds up her hand. To her relief, Mara makes a slight warding gesture as well. And if they know that and still wish to live apart from us on earth, that's fine. That's their choice. I don't need them to understand that, Mara says softly. There's the faintest husk of grief in her steady voice. No, Nisan agrees, relieved that Mara is willing to consider this truth. You don't. You have the courage to be disliked, and that is uncommon. But it is just as important sometimes to cultivate goodwill, especially if you have forgotten what it feels like to not know everything, she thinks. Mara looks away. Nisan watches closely and thinks that perhaps she has been heard. Sheer shifts her weight impatiently, tired by all this meaningful silence. It has been a long nineteen hours.
2: If you go, Mara says finally. You cannot come back. Nisan hears the truth in it. She reaches to clasp Mara's hand. Of course. So she goes to Earth.
0: She carries a survival kit, a hunting rifle, and the tarnished silver jar that has followed her through her whole existence. She finds no awoken as she wanders an empty prairie. She spreads no gospel. It is not two weeks before a band of risen, wild with fear of themselves, each other, and the unknown, ambush her lonely campsite and kill her in her sleep.
2: And that's the end of that lore card. Talk
1: about the amount of time that's has be- like, Jesus Christ, we just covered 12.1 billion years plus in <laughs> 15 minutes. Sweet yeah uh so yeah so obviously following she followed she went with mara back through the the singularity back to this side to to help on this side the 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 awoken people get get split again the twice riven uh in the earthbound and the in the reefborn, uh and so she chooses to go earthbound well what does she find there we talked about this the most dangerous beings in existence us (laughs) (laughs) um the and we talked about this before the original risen were and and it's interesting here that they that they 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 made a point that that i didn't really think of before we knew the risen were powerful and that they fought each other but we never really thought of them as like a frightened thing but they kind of are because you you have no memory of 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 anything you're just there and there's a drone next to you and you can do stuff that you have no idea what you're really doing with it using the light and all that stuff. Uh, but the original risen were, were very, uh, I, I'd say they'd be frightening to, to encounter and frightening to be a risen because yeah. it's, 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 it's a very unknown time there. And so of course they, they, happen upon her camp ambush her and kill her because now there's this there's this other entity here like you know she she doesn't look like them because all the all the awoken have that like pale like whitish bluish skin uh so again a a bunch of risen that are afraid like well this thing might be as powerful as we are we got to kill it before we can before it can do anything to us so they do it risen do best at the time and kill her
0: yep they ambush her camp kill her in her sleep
1: and thus ends the story of the night no, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> thus begins the story of a name we have already heard in the drifter series um, yeah so we're gonna get right into it with the next chapter which is just titled risen and it goes like this on the day her ghost resurrects her she asks him for a name, and he calls her Orin. He asks her for a name, and she calls him Goal. Marrow-deep instinct drives that decision. She could not declare, declare its etymology if someone held a knife to her throat. Goll explains that there is a settlement a few days' walk to the east, that there is no road, That the wilderness is regularly patrolled by roving aliens who will try to kill them both. As he speaks, Orin looks around. They are surrounded by a young forest, vivacious with birds and clouds of gnats. It is impossible to imagine that a deadly alien might be lurking somewhere nearby. But Gol found her. Gol knows more about the world than she does. She trusts him. She scavenges the leaf litter until she finds a fallen tree limb. Will this help? She asks him, testing its heft.
2: He twists his wings, puzzled. Against
0: the aliens, she elaborates. Oh. Courteous, he pretends to consider it, and then... "Uh, No, probably not. They have guns. Ah, I I see, she says. Though, she doesn't. She breaks off the smaller branches, using her foot for leverage. Soon, she has a crude mace. It is heavy, slow, and does not break when she tests it against a tree trunk. She doesn't know what the aliens look like. She doesn't know what guns are. But she does trust goal. She can't help but thinking, though, if an alien tried to attack her while she was armed with a stick like this, she'd have no trouble crushing its skull. They reach the settlement, but it is a smoldering cinder and ruin. Gull frets about fission products and acute radiation, so Oren lingers at a distance and studies what remains. A cat moves among the distant rubble, hunting for mice. A tattered banner stirs in the breeze. She sees nothing more, so she ignores Gull's warnings and goes in for a closer look. She finds bodies. Adults, mostly. Some children. There are little houses for big animals, but there are no big animals among the dead. How did this happen? she asks, overcome by grief for these charred strangers. Aliens? I doubt it. The Fallen don't often use nuclear weapons. It ruins the land. My guess is that a warlord raided this place for its livestock and then set off a bomb. Why? Goal gives a little shrug, bobbing in place. Why not? No one was here to stop them. Orin clenches her mace a little tighter. She feels nauseous. Can you tell when it happened? He runs the computations. Not precisely. Less than 36 hours ago, I suppose. I should have walked faster, she mutters, and then bends over to be sick. You can't do that there, Gull interrupts anxiously. Stop, Oren, stop. You have radiation poisoning. If you're sick here, you'll die here, and then I'll have to resurrect you here, and you'll be sick and die again and again. You have to move. Come. I told you not to walk around here.
2: And that's the end of that lore card. Jesus. So I mean that's Jesus. Okay.
1: So I mean now we have holy cow. So we've gone all the way from this person on on the Yang Li Way through the distributary as an awoken, dying and being risen still, but being risen still in the time of warlords. And like the idea of like coming across a town and it's just completely decimated, you know, radiations everywhere. And and then the the explanation the ghost gives there, like she asked, why would he do this? And the ghost's like, why not? Nobody's here to stop him. Like, holy cow. That's a, I mean, but that was a real world threat at the time. Like that, that was the whole thing with the warlords and and the and the original risen they were ruthless they were th- there was nothing to stop them so yeah that's just wow
0: yeah say so it was we saw with the drifter dark age was a very rough time
1: yeah well and then of course the the ghost saying you know you have radiation poisoning if if you die here I'm going to have to keep rezzing you over and over and over again until you leave here. But every time I rezz you... You're like, and, and and certain concepts, too. Like, when she started to describe the mace, I was thinking, does she even know what a gun is? And then she said, like, I don't even know, like, in her mind, doesn't even know what a gun is. Like, what... I, I'm i still super intrigued with, like, when a ghost rezzes a being, what level, like, what what level of intelligence and memory and like they have the ability, they have the function to speak, but they don't know certain things. Like that, that's a weird concept, right? Like, Oh yeah. Knowing, knowing how to talk, but not knowing what like, you know, a table is or a or a chair or a house, you know, like that that's, that's a weird thing to think of in, in that sense. But yeah.
0: Well, and I wonder if some of that knowledge does bleed through from your previous life. Um, it's got to, but her, she is an awoken. I mean, I guess they had weapons, but they didn't outside of the theodicy war. They didn't use them and they That's did true. not look or function anything like what is in the the soul system at this time. Um, maybe they didn't use the word gun maybe they used something else i it, it's a bit of a sure. reach but
1: no it's just it just i just found it interesting like and and i mean hell who's to say that like the drifter and and all these other things that that were risen during this time didn't have the same thoughts of like what the hell's a gun or like what is right. what is a settlement what is a person like what like being risen is such a confusing time, and that's. But again, that just leads more to the idea of like risen, the original risen, and and even into the warlords and the iron lords were frightened. They were they were scared of everything because they just didn't know what they didn't know, unknown unknowns. So yeah, yeah that's that's a that's that was a rough time.
0: So, Orin continues her. Travels as a freshly risen, uh and meets up with a group that we've heard talked about before. So this is the next chapter of this lore book, the uh, Ecdysis lore book, uh, which is entitled Warhammer, and it goes like this: Oren graduates from wooden mace to stolen scorch cannon, from bare flesh to salvaged plate. The Fallen do not interest her, but they are well-provisioned. She hunts them to better hunt warlords, and makes many enemies of older, wilier Risen than she. The Pilgrim Guard finds her pinned down in a box canyon, fighting alone and out of ammunition against a gang of six mercenaries. She is a graceless fighter with an unflappable grim resolve. So when they sweep in to help her, she does not immediately recognize them as the cavalry. She sees them coming, considers the odds, and then raises her empty scorch cannon to wield as a maul. Seventeen to one, she'll try her luck. They laugh about it later, over weak tea and hard tack. When the guard invites her to join them, they present her with a war hammer. It is as tall as she is. Along its grip they've engraved the words, I am the end of all things, in tidy block print. She meets a young woman, whose skin looks like hers. Where did you come from? Oren asks, staring too hard, standing a little too close. It is impossible not to. Every other blue-skinned person she has ever seen has either been dead or a distant figure hurrying for a gleaming ship. The young woman cringes away from her.
2: The scene alone ruins. Are there other people there, like you?
0: No. Hearing her question, one of her friends pulls her aside and points up at the sky. Your people are up there, he says. They live among the asteroids. Why aren't they here? She asks. But he has no answer. The everyday rhythm of the Pilgrim Guard suits her for decades. Eradicate warlords and alien invaders, protect mortal civilians, guide homeless refugees to safety. Their numbers wax and wane over time, but they are forever the watchers in the dark, the living shield that shelters, the ladder which humanity will climb towards rebirth, inspiring campfire speeches an endless fact of life and they buoy her until she begins to recognize the les motifs of self-sacrificing heroism. Oren loves her leaders and friends. She loves her little ramshackle community. But she never wished to become a soldier or a symbol. Whenever they gather in the evening for dinner, she feels claustrophobic anxiety press around her. She is shackled to the wilds by all these people that she loves. She has no words to explain her restlessness. Alone one night on watch, she tells Gold that she feels monstrous. Why doesn't she love this? Why doesn't she want to stay? And that's the
2: end of that lore card.
1: So this one, being called Warhammer. I like obviously I've got a ton of questions about this. I I love her 1v6 in this box cannon canyon, right? Like She's she's like she's like fuck it I I'll take you all on and then the pilgrim guard shows up now now the pilgrim guard I I have questions about that too are the pilgrim guard iron lords
0: um not as far as I'm aware I I believe this is at a time where the iron lords weren't either weren't really a thing or were um yeah they had like stationed areas that they they patrolled kind sure. of thing
1: sure well and they did they have like did they have like Fellwinter's Peak already established and everything or or was that like was Fellwinter's Peak like way into the depths of of Iron Lord um mythology type thing yeah. like or history uh, i guess
0: i'm pretty sure Fellwinter's Peak is uh kind of late Iron Lord age like mid middle to late Iron Lords they've been established at that point um, they've carved their way through a number of the warlords,
1: because they were they were just straight up killing warlords, right? Like they weren't they they weren't even like letting them res again, right?
0: Well, yes and no. Uh, they any anyone they they saw as irredeemable, um, anyone they saw gotcha. as like yeah they they very much took the protection of humanity uh, with a like serious iron fist.
1: Like, like above all else, protect humanity.
0: And if there's a threat to it, full, regardless full of the threat, they'll deal with it. Uh, but there are yeah. warlords that, obviously, they didn't murder. There are warlords that joined them. I mean, Felwinter, uh, <laughs> Shaxx, shacks. Shacks, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, there were people that started as warlords that, you know, ended up becoming Iron Lords. So it wasn't a pure, you know, if you are one, then you must die. If you're, yeah.
1: Okay. But then as far as the Pilgrim Guard... They, these guys aren't – because like I said, it says war hammer, not war axe. Right. Anytime I think of the Iron Lords, I think of that, that axe that Saladin has, the the one that's sitting in the helm right now that is technically crows.
0: Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> whoever the next Iron Lord wants to be just walks by and picks it up and like, hey, I'm an Iron Lord now. I found this axe. <laughs> Nobody's here to stop me. <laughs> Uh, a few sweeper bots, maybe, but that's about it. Um, but the pilgrim guard here, described here, these are not
0: iron lords. No, the, these seem to just be kind of a a band that has come together on their own that are working for the, the still the same uh, things iron lords are working for, like protection of mortal civilians. Uh, guiding refugees keeping people safe from the warlords specifically i uh, and yep. the pilgrim guard you know it says that the uh orin at least spends decades with the pilgrim guard so they have existed um you know prior to her joining but you know they they have a, a number of years that they have been around uh so it could be that they formed before iron lords and you know as as they did their nomadic kind of protection group, uh, they were around to see the Iron Lords come into power, or you know who knows. But uh, it
1: it was just interesting to me to see that there's another like faction that that has kind of the same ideas, or at least what seems like the same ideas as the Iron Lords, evolving at the same time the Iron Lords are. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. No, I mean it. So it's, yeah, I guess a. a uh it gives you a little bit of faith for the humanity of destiny i guess that like (laughs) not everyone that was (laughs) risen was just a giant dick (laughs) like there were some people that cared
1: (laughs) very few some people cared (laughs) but very few uh yeah no that's yeah that's it right there but, of course, they, they swoop in, they see her 1v6, and she's like, 1v17, let's go! And just turns her Scorch Cannon and, like, flips it around. I imagine her, like, she's got it shouldered and everything, and she just, like, looks down, sees him go, and, like, tosses it up in the air one-handed, and then catches it with the other hand. <laughs> and she's like, I got a mace now, let's go! Yeah. Like, that's how I imagine Oren in this scene. Um, and then, of course, they they help her out, get her out of that um she joins them obviously like you said for decades um and she's given this warhammer and of course when you said warhammer my first thought was like 40k (laughs) we're like no 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 not not quite um but she's handed this 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 warhammer and etched in it it says i am the end of all things and so that 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 to me again kind of leads back to that whole like this is like this is like the iron lords but not the iron lords so same same principles same everything that but like yeah Um, and then while she's with him she finds another awoken an alive awoken because like she it it describes her standing too close like really in this person's space but i mean i i guess i guess if you'd never seen one alive or been close enough to talk to one and you are one and now there's something that looks exactly like you you would be this like intrigued with it and she's like where are you from what are you doing da 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 and he's like I'm assuming this is a this is a guardian awoken.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it's another member of the guard. I think. Um, yeah, I, it, I guess they don't specify, but the feeling I get is that this is another guardian awoken. Um.
1: Well, and only because like they they she asks like where are you from, and he says the the Sinaloan ru- ruins, and like are there other people like there. And then like some random dude just pulls the pulls them aside and points at the sky. Your people are up there. They live among the asteroids and that's it. Like that's full stop. Like what, what the hell kind of an answer is this?
0: I mean, that's probably as much as they know. Like the, the Awoken that left the reef to come to earth, uh, came here and intermingled and, uh, you know, had families and, and, Enough time passed that in the Marasena books that we we read as part of our Awoken series, it says that like some of the Earthborn Awoken forgot the Reefborn even existed.
2: That's crazy. That's crazy. Well,
1: and and hell, Petra even mentions you know sixteen mm-hmm. centuries, like sixteen centuries of Dark Age and risen like. That's that's just mind blowing to think that like, y- you know, you spend all- twelve billion years together with these people, come back to this side, and then leave them, and then over the course of like a thousand years, you're like, eh, fuck those guys, I don't care anymore. <laughs> like, man, the th- I'm glad we covered the Awoken because they, <laughs> those poor They're guys. A lot going on. Uh, but yeah, so so. You know, meeting another awoken here. And then and then the last little bit of this of like she's falling back into that like this is boring type yeah. thing. The same the same way she did in in the in the distributary um beforehand of like I don't know what to do here, like why why don't I love this? Why don't I wanna stay? Like what's what's almost like this what's my purpose yeah. here? Um so she I, I I'm curious if she just naturally has a nomadic um not not destiny a tendency or something like that
0: Well yeah. and it's interesting to see the parallels here so in the distributary I uh, you know she created her own little settlement which then grew into 2 which then grew into 3 which then grew into a village and it was the same thing like she enjoyed helping people she enjoyed I uh, you know getting people uh, back on their feet and she's doing the same thing here. But even there, she said she, you know, described like the settlement was, was anchors to staying here. And this is pretty much the same thing. Only instead of a settlement, it's a, another group. Like she doesn't want to be tied Ah, to a, a group or, or doesn't feel like this is what she's supposed to be doing.
1: So it's it's less of a nomadic nature and more of a not wanting to be tied down to ones to like one single whether it be here a group or whether it be in the distributary a place or something she wants she wants to be able to help but on like her own terms that's
0: kind of the vibe I get yeah okay so
1: okay uh well where does this yeah, lead us to yeah so
0: she is you know getting restless within this group and we. I uh, see what comes of that in the next chapter, uh, which is called "Question After Question," uh, and it goes like this: There are stories of a massive settlement in the far south. Rumors call it the last safe city, a place of peace and prosperity, guarded by indestructible old Russian warriors who fought alongside twenty-foot-tall wolves—whatever those are. The pilgrim guard has heard of many so-called safe cities. They come and go, but mostly they go. Still, they reroute their caravan. The land down south is good, arable, temperate, and with too many indigenous parasites for the fallen to wish it as a customary home. Even if there is no safe city there, it is a better place to guide civilians than the ravaged deserts and plains of the north. Or in hopes that the rumors are true. But it is a selfish hope. If the city is real and people are safe, then maybe she can rest. She finds that city is a misnomer. It has been a misnomer since this place's inception. It is a chaotic sprawl of tents and shabby lean tos. There is not a single permanent structure among them. The streets are nothing more than muddy pathways that smell of waste and smoke. But the people, Neither Orin nor Gull have ever seen so many people in all their lives. Filthy children scream with laughter as they play tag around salvaged tanks. A civilian militia stands vigil over cassava farmers. Armored Risen bicker over where they should mark the city's borders and how best to defend them. And the Traveler looms overhead as Orin wanders through it all, wide-eyed and exhilarated. The Pilgrim Guard prepares to move out, provisioned to make an eighteen-month expedition through the far north, but Oren stays behind. No one questions her decision, though they do grieve it. Each one of them cuts a notch into the grip of her warhammer, until it reads, I, 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 I am the end of all things. There are awoken here in this safe city. They are uncommon though Exos are even rarer. Most have ghosts, as she does. A few do not, and it's these people that Oren is most fascinated by. She dogs them with relentless patience, asking question after question. Where did they come from? Why, have they, why did they come here? Where are the rest of them? Where did they get that gun? What are these bullets made out of? Why doesn't everyone have those bullets? Do people ever move to avoid you? Do you hear voices when you are alone? Are your dreams ever like omens? If I was one of you, why didn't anyone ever come looking for me? And that's where that lore card ends.
2: Like, I really want to touch on the end of this, <laughs> but I'm going to be
1: patient and touch at the beginning first. Um, so, okay, so this first paragraph, kind of brings up like the, the big question of where is the last city? Some people have thought that it is in the, uh, that it's in South America, that it's in the Andes, uh, uh, the Andes mountains uh, around Chile and Argentina, uh, because of like the way the shadows move across the ground, the way that the, the outline of the mountains in the background are and all that, which is kind of, uh, what would that be? It, it, counter counter counterintuitive to like all the signage and everything is all especially in the old tower if anyone remembers the old tower from d1 uh all the all the signs were written in russian and uh i want to say there's some japanese writing there possibly um or maybe it may be mongolian or 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 korean or not korean uh, chinese um but yeah a lot of the stuff is written in like northern asian uh, and and the you know the, the idea of the cosmodrone and Russian is all that's very that's very Russian like. So the interesting thing here is kind of a two two thing. And then and they even mentioned it here, guarded by indestructible old Russian warriors. Um, far to the south could mean that like she was resed at the North Pole and far to the south would be Russia like <laughs> at the north pole everything is south um
0: well and we we have to or
1: that they're just they're just here to just confuse the crap out of us
0: well we have to also remember how large the 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 world is like you know russia is huge, huge. nor far to huge. the south could still be southern russia <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, it could have pat. you know, it, and and we're assuming at this point, um, well, I guess correctly assuming at this point that there are no country borders. No no one that exists in this no. time knows what the old countries were or cares where they started or ended. So, you know, yep. for them far to the south, you know, she could have started in Russia, been, been revived in Russia and went down to Mongolia or to China or what we know as, you know, uh, one of the Koreas, North or South Korea, or as far down as India. Now they specifically mentioned that to the North was desert. Uh, that's true. And that also throws things for a loop because I
1: mean, now here's the thing. The North pole is technically a desert as is the South pole. It's just a desert of ice. I feel like
0: they wouldn't describe a tundra <laughs> as a desert because that seems...
1: Well, hey, Civ, Civ 6 describes it as such because when I try to put a settlement there, they they tell me it's a bad place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably because it is. But, uh, it is. But yeah, so regardless, they make their way to what is being called the last safe city. Um, I imagine this is what we see in the earlier uh portions of zavala's kind of story cutscene, scene yes uh, where there's like no right. walls
1: like he's he's still like putting bricks up to help build and, and she even mentions here like there's just tents and lean-tos no permanent structure in, in sight
0: yeah and and yeah you know, the walls haven't been built yet it sounds like they're trying to establish where where the walls should be uh and before they begin the the building process. So that that also gives us a little bit of a timeline um because the the Iron Lords I I feel like this is probably pretty late into the Iron Lords kind of reign um because yep. if if I recall correctly the the Iron Lords were around while the city was being built and it was shortly after or during the building of the walls that they were wiped out from, from Siva. Right.
1: And, and if, if you remember uh, last season's cut scene with Zavala, um, he obviously stayed with Sally Sal- yeah. for a while uh, when he first, uh, when he and Sefi um, were first together uh, and that obviously was not in the last city. That was wherever the Iron. Lord, I think I'm that was Felwinter, Felwinter Yeah. Yep. So, um, so yeah. So the city was definitely post or or very late end of Iron Lord uh, days. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then of course she the the next part the pilgrim guard is moving out, and she's like, "Well, I'm going to stay behind because uh, for whatever reason." Uh, And I love the 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 sentiment here that they notch each one of them puts a notch in front of the letter I to make it look like another letter I, Um, and it's just it's it's that it's that sense of belonging, right? Like, I don't know. To me, that was really touching. Like, that's I'm gonna I'm gonna (laughs) cry over that. No, Um, and then of course (laughs) the entire last paragraph is just. It's it's like a child, right? Yeah. Like it's like a child who who's never been able to ask these questions, and now they have somebody that's finally going to sit down and talk to them. I mean, maybe begrudgingly, but um, but yeah, like, and some of these questions are like ve- like really important. Like some of them are kind of just like you know, like, what is that gun? Why does it have bullets <laughs> right. that are different? Why doesn't everyone have those bullets? Which makes me question like. What the hell are the awoken bullets made of and what are what makes them so different than everyone else's guns? Um, but of course, you know like where'd you come from? Where's the rest of us? Um, the dreaming and the voices yeah. So she, even as a risen is still having, I'm assuming, still having that that slight tug towards Mara, just not having a clue what that tug or Mara is because she's risen now and has no memory of it. And then like the very last one, if I was if I was one of you, why didn't anyone ever come looking for me? And the awoken on the other side knows the answer to that question, but isn't gonna like i I I assume isn't gonna explain or anything because like Mara even told the people that were leaving for the earth, like go. Like if you if you don't wanna be if, if you feel the need to help the earth in that way that is that is your purpose. That is your drive. Go. Do it. But don't expect to come back type thing. like
0: Right. And that, that was because there that was just, a fear of them returning would bring more enemies with them to, to the yep. newly formed Reef at the time. But that, that is something worth pointing out. They may not know the answers to her questions, or at least not all of them, because a lot of time has passed. You know, she died... Yep shortly after the awoken arrived in the system we have no idea how much time passed between her death and her resurrection and then after her resurrection she's at least been wandering for enough for them to use decades plural so 20 plus years but i assume much more than that uh yep the awoken that exist may be you know born of they they may be two or three generations you know, from the original Awoken that arrived here, oh, they may not know. I see
1: what you're saying. Yeah. I Because I never... I, I always think of Awoken, no matter where they are, it'd be distributary, reform, earthborn. I always think of them as immortals. But they... Just, A, they're not. And B... Just because they live for a long time doesn't mean that they're not going to have offspring or anything right. like that. Because even even in our Awoken series, we talked about that too, where like the Awoken were like, "We need to repopulate. We need to we need to get more people." So that's that was, yeah, you're right. They could absolutely be two or three generations post uh, distributary leaving, and not have these questions because who knows what was being taught to those children as they were growing up over these decades.
0: Yeah, and uh, another. Um thing I want to point out on this particular card. Uh, I know you know we we started this with like, hey, we're gonna do a series about the nine, and it doesn't seem like we've actually talked about them all that much. Uh, <laughs> I
1: was I was gonna say I, gonna say, something I promise like, <laughs> this is going
0: somewhere. <laughs> this is going somewhere. <laughs> Stay, stick with it. But uh, it's worth noting that um when her other Members of the Pilgrim Guard have notched her warhammer, and they do. I, 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 I am the end of all things. There's exactly nine eyes that have been etched into that warhammer. Boom, boom. Which, I on one up. hand, could be you know pure coincidence.
1: Is that the omen? Uh, I, I think it's on the, the omen. other hand,
0: like it could be an an omen of things to come for her. I'd also wonder if if perhaps the nine somehow picked somebody, if they, if they saw this innate ability to be a translator, to be a mediator, and they have been trying to steer her in their direction, uh, albeit suddenly.
1: Yeah. We know they have a hard time communicating with us. And so they see her and maybe that's what they're trying to find. Maybe they're trying to find someone that can communicate yeah and to see this person who was the the communicator of the of the dioceram uh the 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 multilingual person that was on the lang 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 god that's a hard word to say yang li way yang li way i want to say like wang <laughs> wang li lay like i anyway um back on the exodus green uh yeah, for for the nine to see this person, that that they could definitely see her. Like, I I feel like this is an omen from the nine, or 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 some sort of form of attempt of a communication from the nine. The fact that there are nine eyes in there, and that the pilgrim guard, like I'm assuming, it, you would think with with different factions like the iron lords and the pilgrim guard rising at the same time, we would have more stories about them. But, like, what if the Pilgrim Guard were just, like, mind-controlled slaves of the nine, and there just happened to be nine of them? Well, we,
0: we, know, enough, we, we, we know enough about them to know that Drifter ran with them for a time as well. Uh, okay. Although it is not mentioned okay. in, you know, the, the lore cards from Oren's perspective, uh, Drifter does say that he was in the Pilgrim Guard, and he met Oren there. Um. Because right. that's when he asked her about the uh, her snake tattoo, uh, and, that's and right. used that's that right. for his his iconography because it left such an impression.
1: And his and his his slick pickup lines. I'm gonna use those <laughs> one of these days. Um, all right. Okay. Well. Uh, so where does that So take us?
0: needless to say, Oren is now in the city. Um, due to this vague feeling of restlessness, uh, and is trying to track people down to ask these questions to that will know the answer and actually talk to her and she finds one. Uh, so we're going to continue. This is the chapter Queen's Law and it goes like this. Namki Sen is the first person to take her seriously. If we're going to talk a while, we might as well sit down he says, gesturing to a nearby stack of ammunition crates. He is a pilot from the reef, and he has been sent to recover downed surveillance drones he calls crows. His Hildian sustained damage during a dogfight with a fallen skiff, and now an important pump is leaking. He cannot find the source of the leak, nor does he have the supplies to repair it. The, we- the rest of the awoken are at home in the reef. The gun is a standard-issue tiger spite, it uses cased telescopic rounds made of proprietary play steel spin metal blend. There are engineers hard at work on manufacturing techniques that will allow for widespread distribution of the weapon to risen and the civilian populations on Earth. People do avoid him. Earthborn and risen awoken almost never speak to him. He is surprised that she even bothered. He does hear voices, he does have prophetic dreams. He describes it all in detail, and she is shocked by how familiar it sounds. It's like listening to a recording of herself. At her final question, he hesitates. He runs a grimy hand through his hair and looks up at the stars. They have been talking a long time.
2: If we're going to talk some more, he says at last,
0: we might as well have a drink. Namki is not particularly tall, nor particularly handsome. Taken in isolation, parts of him are beautiful. His nose, his hands, the line of his throat, the light that passes over his skin fascinates her. She watches to see if its patterns match her own, and they do not. Most of all, Orin is struck by his ability to listen with empathy. He is quiet, more often than not, Long silences don't frighten him, and when he speaks, he does it deftly, without condescension. It takes eight weeks to repair the leaking pump. In that time, Orin convinces Namke to break Queen's Law and smuggle her and Goal beyond the Vestian outpost. She is determined to understand why she revolted against her own people. They are scarcely a half-day's burn toward Interminia before they are intercepted by galleots painted in the queen's colors. Woof, says Shura Ido when she sees Orin for the first time. Mara is gonna hate this. She crosses the detainment cell to get a better look at Gull. Figured this might happen eventually, but I had always hoped. She pulls at the nape of her neck, then gives a little half-shrug. Well, what can you do? Turning, she looks at Namki. You know you broke the law, right? He nods. She claps him on the shoulder and smiles, "My man." Two paladins deliver her to Mara Sov. Goal is not permitted in the court, nor is Namki. I knew you, Oren says before Mara can speak. It is uncourtly etiquette, she supposes, but they are alone, and she is too bold to fear offense.
2: And what do you remember?
0: Orne gives a slight shake of her head. Moments pass. Mara, too, is comfortable with silence. Behind her mask of composed indifference, her eyes are sharp with curiosity.
2: Why did I leave? Oren asks. You wish to be my emissary. And
0: you banished me for it? She squints. That doesn't seem like something you would do. Mara smiles faintly.
2: No. They have several more conversations.
0: The revelations are absolute in their terror. Orin has never felt such a profound sense of schism, not when learning that most mortals would sooner swallow cyanide pills than come face to face with the Risen, nor that the elixir were once abandoned by the Traveler, nor that almost all warlords are light bearers. But the Queen's Law is, of course, the Queen's Law. It must be upheld. But the spirit of the law often differs from its letter. Namki accepts a sentence of five years indentured servitude to the crown for smuggling Oren into Reef Holdings. They let him pick his detail and negotiate his salary. Oren's case is not so simple. She is not who she was. So after vigorous philosophical debate, it is decreed that she cannot be held accountable for her past oaths. But she engaged in witting trespass, aided and abetted by a learning civilian. And for that, she must sacrifice a boon, an unnamed future debt of the crown's choosing. Oren accepts the sentence gladly and returns to Earth to mend her wounds. She needs to think. She needs to talk. And that is the end of that lore card.
2: Oh my god. Oh!
1: Oh. Sorry, that's palpable in here, isn't it? Uh yeah like i i I love first off i love the tiger spite like that's yeah, just that's, that's just the standard issue every time that it that an in-game gun is mentioned in lore it it it's one of those like bringing the whole universe together type thing and the fact that like they like even the awoken are trying to mass produce this thing to get it into the hands of risen to get it so like like that's why I mean that's that's even an in game lore reason why we find so many <laughs> freaking tiger spikes <laughs> and we just dismantle just them like ah this one has shit perks. Bye Yeah. Um so yeah, I I love that part. I I love that little tie in there. Um you know, final finally an awoken to answer her questions and, and a and a true awoken, like not just like a you know, a a glimpse on the horizon, another risen or something like that, like and and you know her convincing i i feel like her convincing him to smuggle her in is just another like showing off of her skill of communication right like her her negotiation skills and stuff like because i mean that's queen's law like queen's law is queen's law like that's there's full stop um which, of course, later on it mentions, well, you know, the spirit and the letter are kind of two different things. So right. eh, maybe we got a little <laughs> leeway here. Um, but yeah, so she gets snuck in. And the first, I, I'm curious, I mean, obviously the Galleots, there's no way Sheer Idol is on one of these Galleots. But the fact that they, the Galleots find them, you know, the, obviously they're going to scan the ship and go, oh, hey, there's two life signs here. What the hell? Or they'll scan the ship. Hey, there's a paracausal ability here. What the hell? um and bring her before Shear, which i uh, <sighs> shears shears first response is like oh oof oh man this is yeah. this is <laughs> well shit like for that to be like the the first person to kind of talk to her and like look at her in the detainment cells is like well this is not gonna go well um and then the whole like you know you broke the law right and he's like yeah and she's like my man let's go (laughs) get a drink baby (laughs) like even sheer knows that like (laughs) queen's law is queen's law sort of
0: (laughs) yeah no she she knows that like he's not gonna yeah he's not gonna get in super trouble for this uh
1: but only because of who he brought back. Like I think if it if it been if it had been just some random Earth civilian or some random Guardian or something like that, it, no, whatever. Yeah. But it makes me wonder: Does Namki know who Orin is?
2: That's
0: a good question.
2: Um... Because
1: Sheer sees her and clearly recognizes her. Granted, Na- Orin was with Sheer directly i mean all the way back from the diocerum days right so i'm curious if namki even recognizes or knows who Orin is or was rather
0: uh it comes down to what generation is namki like there you go is he part of the original group that came over is he uh you know a, after their arrival he was born um awoken lifespan is weird because right? they they are, by Mara's statement, they are mortal, but Shear and Mara and Aldrin and a number of other prominent members have been in the solar system for a couple hundred years at least. A couple um, thousand
1: maybe by now.
0: Yeah, so like...
1: And they still look like they're uh, like... 25 36
0: like right so i'm i'm wondering if if she means mortal in the sense of well i guess i don't know because clearly awoken have have perished on earth in order to be resurrected correct um and i can't imagine all of them died from you know altercations with other people Uh, i mean most
1: of them died from the battle of saturn so
0: well Sad face. before that though <laughs> <laughs> uh so i don't know i i do wonder if it's if it's an effect of mara if being near her Ooh. staves off the effects of time uh at least a little bit
1: i mean we know that being near her naturally heals people
0: naturally heals awoken specifically.
1: awoken awoken specifically awoken yeah. that's right that's right so, so yeah that
0: might be part of it it might be if you are Earthborn, or or the Awoken that went to Earth, are no longer in you know in her sphere of influence, and they age at a normal rate, uh, or or a faster rate than those in the reef.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, so of course they bring her to Mara, and and I love the responses that that I, I love that... well the, obviously the entire interaction here, you know, like what do you remember? She doesn't really know, like, and then. <laughs> I think Oren for her to answer with a question it it's it's one of those like I don't know if Oren realizes what Oren just did there. <laughs> you know what I mean cuz the queen's all yeah. about the secrets and the the speech thing and the you know human speech is a poor encryption system for what it like so for her to ask, what do you remember? And for Oren to return around and say, why did I leave? That has so much more of a, that's that's so much more of a thing than I think even Oren realizes. Or was this like a subconscious thing? Like Oren knew subconsciously that this would be the, the thing to do. And so that's where it comes up. Like it, it, there's so many questions here with this interaction. And then for Mara, to give the response of you wish to be my emissary, which isn't technically wrong, but it's not technically right.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a half-truth, <laughs> which Mara is quite proficient in. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes.
0: Which she gets called out on a little bit because yeah. even Oren is like, that doesn't sound a hundred percent correct. <laughs> and Mara's like, No, no it doesn't. No, no,
1: (laughs) it's not. Yeah. I I it's and so I'm curious as again this this comes back to like the idea of like what happens after you are risen, like how much of your personality, how much of your subconscious being is transferred over to the to the light bearer side when you when you are risen. And I feel like I mean this is just showing how much more of that is being transferred over. Like it, we, you know, and we talked about this tons of times with, with the, with, you know, devotion, bravery, self sacrifice. That's all what makes a, a, a being, a body worthy of being risen. But then, like, what are the traits that are carried over? Like, what, do, does the person need a drive for something? I mean, obviously, like, Drifter was risen. And he has a drive. It's not necessarily the the drive that coincides with the rest of the light bearers or anything, but he has a drive, and so some of his traits are carried over. So again, seeing it here with Orin, and then the very next passage here of like Orin just like like every like I, I'm assuming Mara just tells her everything.
0: It seems that way at least. Uh, yeah, because she's talking about like this great sense of schism, um and I yeah. can't imagine she would have that feeling if she didn't know the details of of her leaving
1: yeah Um, i mean like it that just blows my mind that mara would just now again mara on the one side and we saw this when they brought um oh god i can't remember the name of the other guardian they brought in front of the queen when they first when they first saw guardians awoke as guardians seven that's right yeah and and so on what it's it's a it's a very one-sided conversation on both ends mara knows all this stuff about the person standing in front of her the person standing in front of mara doesn't really know anything except for what they've experienced since being risen and so it's it's this very both sides of this is a one-sided but again for orin to have that subconscious tug like that subconscious whatever to 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 be able to speak to Mara the way that Mara truly understands and truly interprets as being a a true way of speaking, for Mara to just tell her everything. Again, Arin as uh, as Nasa uh, was was very close to uh, uh, the Queen, so it could just be a a like the Queen feeling that much closeness to this person in front of her so yeah
0: i think that's probably a little bit of it you know this feeling of familiarity um at least from mara's point of view uh but we saw with with aldrin and crow like the base instincts and and base personality traits seem to carry over it's just kind of a a you know a version of those traits and instincts that don't have a history to them
1: that's right because crow did the whole like like even after he was risen he took on the gate lord right just to see if he could do it oh my god well i didn't think of that too
0: i mean outside of just martial prowess like from from crow's perspective you know aldrin was a storyteller aldrin was somebody that would you know, spread little rumors when he got into a town and crow also did that without, without knowing that that was something his past self did. Uh, so like there, there are certain inane pieces of their personality of themselves that, that seem to transfer.
1: I, I love that. I absolutely love that.
0: And I think in, in, uh, Oren's case, like it's, it has been her, prolific ability to always be able to communicate with people and, and truly get to the heart of the meaning of the word. She, she is in a lot of ways by that description, the, she can decode the encryption that is speech that, that Mara, yeah. you know, Mara sees, uh, sees speech as this, this poor vessel for getting meaning across. And I think, orin and uh nasa uh prior to that probably fulfilled the role of getting that meaning across for universal between other people yeah kind of (laughs) yeah i like it so for one reason or another whatever it may be uh she and mara have a number of conversations and mara grows to you know trust her at least enough to to let her go with the promise of i'm gonna collect on a boon that some point in the future that
1: that was the thing that got me at the end of this that's where i just like i like curled my lips and i was like mara (laughs) like (laughs) that is so mara of her right like i I, I, yeah nope yeah okay well we got we've got time for what maybe one more one more reading here
0: yeah, we'll, we'll see how far. One, maybe two. Um, All right. But so, i say the next chapter of, of Oren's story here uh, is entitled Debt. And it goes like this. It seems everyone knows the Pilgrim Guard now. Their numbers have quintupled and only continue to grow. The grateful citizens of the last safe city style them guardians and they wear the title well. Oren is glad to see that her friends are doing well, but she does not rejoin them. During his sentence, Namki maintains daily contact with Oren via Vidcom and projection. When he is released, she begs him to come get her. She wants to understand what humanity was trying to achieve before it stooped to setting off nuclear warheads in order to steal a few cows. They scour the inner planets in his Hildean. When parts of it break down, they work odd jobs. They are deliriously happy. Centuries pass. On the day that Sheer Ido dies, she receives a call from Marasov.
2: I would ask for my boon, the queen says with shaking voice. It is the first time she dares trust a guardian. It will not be the last. The queen paces as Orin leans on her warhammer. I need to know who killed her, Mara says.
0: To know or to see them killed? Mara's grief and anger blaze across her face. She looks out at the reef as she struggles to master herself. Oren imagines Namki dead and clenches her warhammer a little tighter. At last, Mara says,
2: First, to know. She gives Oren the strange coin that the search party found on Shearer's body. I'm not sure it was a murder.
0: The search sends her deep into a sublunar cavern where she finds no enemies but instead clouds of steam and a half-man with grasping tentacles where his face should be. Forgive them, he rasps as she crushes his windpipe in her fist. Who, she snarls, tightening her grip. His face writhes with growing urgency, reminding herself that she came here for answers first and vengeance second. She pushes him away. He staggers, steadies, reaches into his robes to draw something out. Oren, Gull warns, but she has already seen it. She hefts her warhammer and strikes him hard in the chest. It's like lifting a ball off of a tee. There is no resistance. He careens off of a dewy boulder with a sickening crunch. That is his spine. He'll never stand straight again. And as he hits the ground... A tarnished silver jar slips from his fingers. The sound echoes as it bounces away into the dark. Oren uses a hunting knife and brute strength to puncture the jar's dented lid. She turns it over and pours a thin stream of pale gray powder into her gloved palm. Dust returns. It ever
2: returns. The man chuckles wheezily. She looks up,
0: and he is gone. And that's the end of that lore card.
1: Yep, this is going to be the last one, because i got lots of shit to say
0: here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Holy
1: shit! (laughs) All right. Okay. (laughs) Well, let's start at the beginning here. Uh, Okay. So, apparently, the Pilgrim Guard evolved into the Guardians. Yes. So that's that's why the Pilgrim Guard isn't really mentioned anymore because we are the Pilgrim Guard. We are the Guardians. Like we are, like they are synonymous. They are the same thing. They just the beginning of the Guardians was the Pilgrim Guard and now it evolves. It now we know them as Guardians. We even call ourselves as such. So yeah, but obviously she doesn't want to she she again I think that sense of like not wanting to be tied down to one thing. She doesn't rejoin them. She's yeah. she's happy for them. And that's, that. I mean, that's just, that's, that's great. But she just, she doesn't feel the need to rejoin him. But she's definitely growing close to Namki. Um, the fact that they converse every, every, every so often. Uh, she's trying to understand that, like, I, I love this sentence here. Like she wants to understand what humanity was trying to achieve before it stooped to setting off nuclear warheads in order to steal a few cows. Because remember, that was the first town that she came across. That the whole thing had been... There's nuclear radiation, and she almost died there several times. Um, But then centuries pass. So, I mean... Even more time has passed. God, this is such a long time that is being covered in these few passages. But then it comes to this one. On the day that Shiraido dies, she received a call from Marisov. I would ask for my boon. We know... Uh, from our reading from the the awoken series and the wish interbow that sheer ido was lost it never says died but then like in that passage is betrayed 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 and as you pointed out it says betrayed nine times and when she when they were when her bow and her last stand area was found there was a strange coin the exact same stuff that we give to Zur. um, or at least you used to give to Zur. I guess I guess strange coins aren't really a thing anymore, are they?
0: Uh, I mean, you use them in dares of eternity. Oh, you know?
1: that's right, that's right, that's right. I forgot. There's the whole dares of eternity. Um, so yeah, so strange coin instantly points. So we we told you it was gonna lead back to the nine people. But this is <laughs> this is leading back. We're looping back now. <laughs> um so and and again the conversation between her and the queen i i need to know who killed her and she a- answers with a question it's it's that subconscious thing happening right there to know or to see them killed because she even it it's almost like she even sees past the encryption of i need to know who killed her to the point of what mara is actually trying to say like you want them dead and because sheer was so close to mara like definitely a lover very 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 close to mara and for sheer to be gone now i mean i i'm amazed mara didn't didn't cleave the dreaming city in two <laughs> uh so yeah like and i mean she struggles not to like <laughs> but yeah and then she says you know she hands her the coin says i'm not sure it was murder and then i mean like this next these next entries like Oh, oh my God. Like there is so much in the second half of this, of this lore card. Oh my God. Okay. So she finds this tentacle band face, tentacle face, man, tentacle man face, tentacle faced <laughs> man. <laughs> uh, that's Zer. That's obviously Zer. That's yes. the only, he, he is, zer is an agent of the nine. He calls himself as such. Um, He runs Dared's Eternity. Uh, he also shows up uh, once a week uh, on the weekends to sell us um, exotic armor and weapons and now random rolls of random weapons and gear. And so he's he's here to outfit us, the Guardians. Um, she obviously, she knows that, that there's a connection here between him and the Nine. And so... You know, she's she's like, I I need answers. Like, give me answers. And he kind of gives her an answer, but again, not the answer she's looking for to the question that wasn't asked. He reaches into his robes to grab something, which presumably his robes are just the freaking nether. Like, <laughs> yeah. where is he? Where is he carrying all this shit? <laughs> she sees this as a threat, goes to take him out crushes his spine. We now know why he's limped over. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's literally why every time you go see Xur, he's, he's crouched over because his spine is broken. Oren broke his spine um, and pulls out, or doesn't necessarily pull out, but slips from his fingers this silver-dented jar that was originally Oren's, originally Nossam's, Yep. And and she doesn't know anything about it. She like at this point in time she obviously she's risen, she's lost all memory of that. And so she just pries it open, pries it open and pours it out and it's dust. It's 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 her mother's ashes. And then Zer with like dust returns. It, it ever returns and then disappears like there's so much iconography in this little like two sentence section here. When we think of places like everywhere we go, that reminds us of the nine, there is dust everywhere. Um, the the dungeon, the prophecy dungeon. There's dust flowing from everywhere, seemingly seemingly endless dust. It, it, there, when we go to eternity, there's dust just pouring everywhere. Back in the old reckoning days, there's dust like everywhere that has to deal with the nine. There's always dust. And it, I, I, I are we just sifting through someone's mother's ashes every time we jump <laughs> through these dungeons and places? Like what the hell, myth?
0: Well, so here's here's a couple things about that passage. Um, so the, the first, uh, the very first thing that Xur says is forgive them. Yeah. Presumably talking about the Nine. Now, I think that could be taken in a couple different meanings. He could be saying, forgive the Nine for what happened to Sheer. Or he could be saying, "Forgive the nine for guiding you on your path." Right to them,
1: because that's the whole thing with the nine is is they're they're so mysterious, right? Like that's it, it. He could be forgive them. He could be saying forgive them for a future thing that hasn't happened yet.
0: Well, and the fact that he has the jar that is her mother's ashes.
1: Yes!
0: Makes me wonder if, again, the Nine have been using their influence ever somehow identified her as being a good translator and have been using their influence ever since to lead her back to Earth, potentially to her death, expecting her to be resurrected so that they could then bring her in as as their own translator
1: because then because uh, i mean essentially all they would need is time and a and guardian they have is eternal an infinite now amount they have of that exactly exactly and now that she's a guardian they really have an infinitely amount of that
0: like <laughs> right and that the fact that he has that jar and knows it belongs to her and presumably yes. knows the significance of it means that the nine have had their eyes on her for quite a while.
1: Yes. So it's, it's presumably Lang, Lang, fuck, Exodus green. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh my God. Well, that seems like a good stopping point, right? Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. So a little, little bit of a teaser uh, for, for what we're going to be discussing more next time. I know this was a lot of kind of build up. Uh, it wasn't a whole lot of explanation about the nine themselves, but I feel like knowing the context of Orin is really important to knowing, you know, to, to informing you about why she makes some of the decisions she does going forward.
1: And we promise it will tie in like as much as like this entire episode, like was all just like, here's the story of this random person, but we titled it the nine. I tr- trust us. It's, this is the nine. It's you, It they're so confusing. They, the, as we put it at the beginning, they are confusing AF and it will tie in. We promise. We promise.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we got any, uh, shout outs.
0: We do. We have some shout-outs for uh, for tonight. So um, we've got three, actually. All of these are coming to us from uh, uh, Apple this time around. Uh, Say We we check everywhere, but this just so happened to be the ones that came in for us this time. Uh, So the first of those is coming to us uh, from a user named... Big O Frank seventy six, who big, was kind enough big to Big O a, Frank, yeah, was kind enough to leave a, a five star review for us. I, uh, they say so much lore in game that most of us don't make time to read. In such a deeply rooted community, you can see how much Destiny history has played a role in that. Some of us identify as Titans, others Warlocks, and everyone's moms as Hunters. <laughs> These guys do the reading so that we don't have to. Think of it as a destiny lore as an audiobook with commentary. I started with the lightfall reaction, then went in reverse, found the history of the Woken. And that's where my addiction began. Like an amazing show that's been out for a while. You just found I'm enjoying thoroughly going through all of their older entries. Oh man. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> every, every,
1: everybody's mom's a hundred. Miss and I, I, I feel like we self identify as warlocks.
0: Very much so for me, at least
1: I, I, i try i try warlock was my main in d1 and then in d2 i was like i'm gonna try to be a hunter and so i was a hunter for a little bit in D, d2 D and then when i after i took my break uh during curse of osiris as every person in, in destiny did uh, i came back and was like nope i'm warlock went full warlock fell in love with it again so yeah i definitely self-identify as a warlock and a cat
0: <laughs> yes but uh but no so thank thank you for that uh, absolutely that review thank you um and to to take the time to um write your thoughts out uh so you know so elaborately is it, it, i i think that's cool because that to me means that uh it has a little more meaning behind it than just you know is good enter <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> is is good we'll tell friends bye <laughs> yeah
0: although that's great too but you know it just it it tells me that you you're enjoying it that much. Absolutely. uh, So next shout out uh, is coming to us. Another five star. Thank you very much for that Uh, from a world dreamer. And they have this to say, uh, they say, I love this podcast. I took a long break from destiny right before the forsaken. And I'm recently jumping back in and have been listening to find out so much missed information. These two are great to listen to and aren't annoying. I know you read these keep up the great work and thank you for helping me see that crow isn't so bad
1: couple things in this one number one <laughs> yes we absolutely read these number two thank you for letting us know we're not annoying
0: yes <laughs>
1: thank you that's, yes, that's thank you that's very very kind of you to say i i i, I still i i hope for crota and amanda to get back together that's a, I, I, I think i maybe it'll happen this season maybe it'll happen next season maybe it'll never happen i don't know i can hope
0: uh, I'm I'm holding out hope as well, so I'm, fingers I'm crossed. Uh, but our last shout out for the night uh, comes to us from a Rome diggity two, uh, also Rome five star. diggity,
1: <laughs> yep. I, I dig it, man. I dig it. <laughs> oh, what, uh, what was the name of the of the previous one? I missed that one. Uh,
0: World dreamer. World
1: dreamer. Ooh, yep. very. Ooh, man. Yeah, that's 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 very nine of you. okay uh so so this is rome 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 diggity
0: yeah rome has this to say Uh, they say i have been playing destiny since it's d1 beta and lore has evolved through the years i've been listening to your podcast for about two months now and i can say i've enjoyed every minute of it i enjoyed the awoken series and And uh, it's my opinion that the new Drifter series was a must and makes us understand him more as a character. Thank you for your time and dedication on continuing the fantastic storytelling.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. That's like the, the Awoken, the Awoken was, and, and Myth and I talked about this during the Awoken series. It was probably the very first thing we ever did. And that was back when we were doing this on, on PlayStation chat. uh, And then uh, one of our other five star reviews, uh, one of their comments was like, where's this Awoken series you keep mentioning? And we redid it just for him uh, or her or them or they. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we redid the entire thing and did a full, complete deal of it. And now that it's so complete, like, that's probably like that was our longest. That was our longest series so far. 11, 11 parts myth, 22 hours worth of Awoken, probably 24 yep. hours worth of Awoken history there.
0: Yep, somewhere um, around there.
1: So yeah, that one that one was that one was deep. There's a lot of stuff for the Awoken. Uh and then of course Drifter. Drifter just seemed to make sense. Like mm-hmm. we really didn't know a bunch about him, but like even going through that Drifter's our little Drifter series that we did, I learned so much about him. Like the whole town of Eton and everything. Like it, it yeah. really does show like where his where his character drive is.
0: Yeah, no, so, yeah. uh and it's funny that you mentioned the Awoken series and how complex and long that one ended up being uh because we we have a, a request uh that is made oh on on twitter of like hey where are you guys going to talk about mithrax and his whole thing and we're the Elixir. getting <laughs> there damn it <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah my my response to that person but there's probably others wondering uh we're we definitely want to do a History of the Elixney series, very similar to our Awoken one.
1: We did the Awoken, we did the Cabal, we've done the Hive. Like, Elixney is just the next one in the line.
0: We want it to be complete, though. And right now, it feels like there are a lot of holes in that story that are going to be filled in with this season. So uh, when we do that, it is probably going to be after the seasonal story content. For this season has come out because then we'll have the full picture and it won't be a, you know, this is what happened pre whirlwind and whirlwind and then long drift and then soul system. But then there's this big, just black hole in the middle of some of that. We want to have those details to fill in to make sure we have as complete a uh, story as, as we can.
1: So, so in other words, we're kind of using the nine as like a two-part thing. One, I've really wanted to cover the nine ever since we started doing these, and two, we're kind of using it to like make time pass in game, <laughs> so we can get more seasonal stuff from this season. Because this the the Mythrax is definitely like this season has been a lot of revelations for him, and even even just these past weeks have been. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, Myth and I have so. Well, I have so much to say. Myth has so much to predict. So <laughs> screw him and his stupid theories that come true every time. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Elixne is coming. We promise. Yes. We got yes. to get there though. We'll get, get. We'll we'll get through the nine, and then may, maybe maybe will be after nine. We'll see.
0: Yep. We'll we'll see how things pan out. But uh, if. You liked what you're hearing, uh, and you want to let us know or or give us some you know give us some support. Uh, best way to do that: leave a, a review on your platform of choice. It doesn't have to be um, you know you don't have to write out a novel or anything. Uh, but if you do, you know feel that strongly about it, you may hear yourself as a shout out here. Um, but otherwise, just you know rate us what you feel we're worth on whatever your listening platform is. That goes a long way. I. And if you uh, you know want to drop a drop a message or you, you have a, a request like that, like hey, have you guys thought about doing this or things like that? Um, you can reach out on our Twitter, which is at Myths and Stories Z instead of an S at the beginning of stories. Um, we monitor that you know throughout the week as we can and uh, and try and respond there and and use some of that to inform us as to what we should be doing. So there. Yeah.
1: All righty. Well, I guess I'll give my, my final thank you then. Uh, thank you, Namki. Thank you for taking the time to uh, sit down and talk to Oren and and smuggle her into the reef and rejoin her with the the Queen's Wrath and, and the Queen herself. And uh, thanks for almost sounding like Namco and making me think of Pac-Man every time I <laughs> see your name. All right. Uh, uh, anything else, Matt? Uh,
0: no, that's it.
1: All righty. Well, then from all of us lore nerds to all of you guardians out there, we'll see you next time.